Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Salvation have to do the will of God. A particular call and purpose of God for you individually on your life. If we do not do that specific calling of God on each individual member's life, then we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. But that's a radical statement, I know. But let's take a look at the Word of God and see what the Lord says and who will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. We see in the book of Romans, Paul talking uh, there and telling us exactly what it is to walk in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He'll also carry that same message to the church at Corinth. Take a look at Romans 8 and verse 10. If Christ be in you, that is, that Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Have a Father. Because the Spirit of the Son of God is the same Spirit, one Spirit, as the Father. And many do not know that. They think there's a separate person of the Godhead with the Spirit Junior, or God Junior, that the Son of God, before the foundation of the world, according to His Godhead, was begotten of the Father somewhere back then, which is a total lie. God has never begotten another spirit. He did take on a body of flesh. The Son of God is that spirit revealed, the Father revealed in that body, in the days of his flesh. And that is why that the whole work of the ministry that we are all called for in the body of Christ is so imperative and important and critical to see because the revelation of Jesus Christ is the mercies of God and the judgments that we, as the body of Christ, will not be condemned with the world. We see seals, trumpets, and vials, which are the judgments of God. But these judgments of God that are in the earth are to reveal his person and his work, who he is not to destroy mankind, but when judgments are in the earth, men will learn righteousness. Grace reigns through righteousness. The key is righteousness. The biblical definition of righteousness is not just being right. It is a progressive glorification of the body of Christ coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus and what he did in glorifying his own human, his own body, back to himself. That's righteousness. As we focus on that, in John 16, Jesus is explaining that office of the Father that's been hid from the ages. Jesus said, I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs. I will show you plainly of the Father. Well, somebody said, well, don't we know the Father? The Father sent Jesus, and now we're taught that that's the second person of the Godhead, that God the Father sent God the Son, and he came into the world and went back. And then the third person came, the Holy Ghost. Well, there's only one person of God. Because we have left that foundation, that foundational truth of Christ, the rock, the foundation of the church, then God in his mercy 
through that grace of God in judgments are working that in the world today to get us to return to the true and living God and the revealing. That's the reason it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel unto John. Now, John will be in the spirit of Elijah, which is the body of Christ in Revelation 10, that John must again prophesy before many nations, kindreds, tongues, and kings. That's the body of Christ. John is not going to, in his physical body, come back down to the earth and prophesy to these nations. That's the body of Christ in the spirit of Elijah, which is John. John the Baptist forerun Jesus' first coming. John that will forerun Jesus' second coming in the spirit of Elijah, which is the body of Christ. That's the work of the ministry. Paul, in his attempt to bring this to the church at Hebrews, to them in Hebrews 5, states that truth. He's talking about Melchizedek, that Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek and how it applies and applicable to the body of Christ. And he said, these things are hard to be uttered, speaking of Melchizedek, seeing you are dull of hearing. You don't have spiritual ears. He said, when you ought to be teachers, you have need again to be taught the first principles of the oracles of God. And then he said, you have need of milk and not strong meat because the babes are unskillful in the word of righteousness. We're back to that righteousness again. Grace reigns through righteousness. And very few people even take a look at that. And even the ministry, when they go through seminaries, Bible college, get a, a doctorate of divinity or PhD in theology. No one focuses on righteousness and what grace reigns through that. And that is progressive. That's the reason you grow in grace. How can you grow in grace? It's not simple an act, some static. It is dynamic and it is progressive. So therefore, when we take a good look at what is righteousness, why is it so important that we in the body of Christ, in Romans 6, that we have to obey unto righteousness? What does that mean? Well, that behooves us to know and understand what righteousness is. Now, Jesus said, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. He says that in John 16. That means the Father there, the Lord had spoken in Proverbs concerning the Father. That was hid. We see that revealed to us, Paul talking to the church at Colossia, second chapter, verse one through nine. To this full knowledge and the understanding of the acknowledgement of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom one person are hid, watch that hiding, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
Well, what is that? Well, it's the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of Christ. It's the knowledge of the Father. Now, Christ is every office of the Spirit. Christ is the Son of the living God. We see that in Matthew 16. When Jesus asked his disciples, but who do you say I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, not a Christ, but the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus complimented him and changed his name. Simon Barjona, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Thou art Peter. Petros, a piece of the rock. Thou art Peter upon this rock, that revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose upon the earth will be loosed in heaven. Therefore, that Christ we know is the Son of the living God. That's the Son of God. But as we study Christ, and it's revealed that Christ is, first and foremost, the Spirit of God, of which there's only one. There's no Spirit Junior. There's no second person of that Spirit. It's very simply the Spirit, the Father. That Father's administrative office of the Spirit, the Word. That's administrative office or the expression office of that Spirit. That Holy Ghost is the power office of that same Spirit. We talk about Jehovah. That's the Tetragrammaton, the Yud, Ha, Wah, Ha, Yahweh, which is transliterated Jehovah, which is the Lord. And that Lord is a self-existent eternal spirit of God. And Elohim is the plural of Elohim. It's all the attributes of God, not persons, but attributes. He is love. He is power. He is wisdom. He is understanding. He is uh, prudent. He's sovereign. He is peace. All of these are the attributes of God. That's the plurality of the Im and Elohim. The Lord, he is God. That is, uh, that Jehovah, or Yahweh, is Elohim. Elohim is Yahweh. The Lord, he is God. There's only one spirit there. There, Christ, the Messiah, the Hamashiach, that would come into the world, is God that is coming into the world, manifest in the the flesh. He didn't take upon him the seed uh, or the nature of angels. He took upon him the seed of Abraham. That is after the flesh as the seed or genealogy of David, according to the flesh. Now, when we go on in righteousness, we find that Jesus is the Christ and Christ is first and foremost, the father. He is that spirit. He is the word. We see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that all the Old Testament prophets, that is from Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, that 
Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to Malachi. Peter tells us that all of these Old Testament prophets search diligently into the grace that should come to us, searching what or what manner of time, watch it, that the Spirit of Christ that was in them, they prophesied by what? The Spirit of Christ. Notice that's a capital S. That is, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, there's many different functions of that spirit. Well, he's the father. He's the father of all creation, in whom is no variableness of turning. That is the, that administrative office of the one spirit of God. Then we have the word. The word is spirit, same spirit, but it's the expression office of that same spirit. God gave his word. The word is him. The word was God. That word is God. And that word will always be God. That word is the expression office of that same spirit, which reveals his thought, plan, purpose, and will. Well, obviously, that is not all there is to God. He reveals his thought, plan, purpose, and will. But he also demonstrates his power. That's another office of the Spirit, another function of the same Spirit, the Holy Ghost. That's the power office of the Spirit, and you shall that be baptized, and you receive that Holy Ghost, and you will be witness, uh, witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Jude Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the most parts of the world. And you shall receive power. That's the power office of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Then there is Elohim. That is the plurality of the attributes of God. That's a tetragrammaton. That is the attributes in the Yud, hand. That's the tenth letter of the Hebrew, Hebrew abecedary of which Jesus is. He is the aloft through the top. That's a Hebrew abecedary. That is the longest chapter in your Bible. Psalm 119, going from the Hebrew abecedary, which each letter proclaims an attribute of God Almighty. You can't have a word without having the individual letters and make it up. God, there has many attributes. And each of those letters, not only having numerical value with it, but also speaks with a picture. It's the only language in the world that does that. Well, Jesus is the aloft to the top. He is that A to the Z in the Hebrew ABC theory. That is, and the 10th letter there is the hand, Yud. That also as there in Yod or Yud, we have the Yah or Yahweh, which is Jehovah transliteration. There we have the Yud, Ha, that's the fifth letter. That Ha is the fifth letter in the Hebrew ABCDR, which is the Spirit of God. Then we have the Wa, which is transliterated to a, a Vav, which is the sixth letter in the Hebrew ABCDRA, which means to connect, a conjunction. That 
we would connect God to man, that heaven to earth. By doing that, we see that in that wa or vav. So the yud ha vav or wa ha is simply the tenth, fifth, sixth letter and fifth letter of the Hebrew ABC theory. That's the Tetragrammaton by his name, Yah. Well, we can say the same thing by his name, Jehovah. That is, uh, that revealed name of God is not Jehovah. It's not Elohim. His name is also Jealous, capital J-E-A-L-O-U-S. But that's not his proper name, not the revealed name, not the blood name, not the salvation name of God. We can say jealous all day long. It will not save anyone. Then God reveals his name. All the time that he revealed himself and Theophanes in the Old Testament, a manifestation of God, or Christophanes in the Old Testament, he never revealed his name. He would not reveal his name until he took on a permanent abode, a permanent tabernacle, a permanent dwelling. When he does that, he'll reveal his name. That'll be his permanent eternal abode, therefore his eternal dwelling forever. And the word was made flesh. We have beheld his glory. He's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and his name is called Jesus. Capital J, capital E, capital S-U-S. Jehovah is salvation, not Jehovah Jr. But because we've lost this revelation, denying the only Lord God, splitting him up into a trinity. These ecumenical councils and synods many centuries ago were declared to be the truth. Now, in the last days, God is using that last book in his word to reveal to all mankind the revealing of his true identity. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why would that be essential? Why would that be necessary? Because we've left that first love. We have came off that foundation that Jesus is the Christ. Christ is the Father of glory. He's not just the Son of the living God. Christ is every office of the Spirit. Be it Father, Word, Holy Ghost, Son of God, Son of Man, Elohim, Jehovah, El Shaddai. He is every office, one spirit there. That one spirit reveals himself in different functions. I can say I'm a father. I'm also a husband. And I'm also a preacher. Well, I'm still the same person. There's different functions that I do. Well, the same is true with God. He is one spirit, but many functions and many offices of that one spirit. Because we've left that foundational truth. The last book in the word of God, that last preaching of this gospel of the kingdom to all the world for a witness unto all nations will be in the revelation of Jesus Christ. The last book in your Bible written to you the believer. Now, we focus on what is righteousness. 
Well, we know it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Then that was given to him to show unto his servants, God's own servants, things that must shortly come to pass. Now, that's Revelation 1, verse 1. Those are things of faith. Now, we see that God has dealt to every one of us the measure of faith. We see that in the Romans 12 and verse 5. Well, actually, we find that he is verse 3. I'm sorry. For I say, through the grace given unto me, Paul speaking, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, that's an individual portion of the Spirit of God in Revelation that he has dealt to every man for his purpose, his will. It's different ministrations, same spirit, but not are all called for the same office. We see the offices and functions of the Spirit given to us in that 1 Corinthians 12. Notice that he says in verse 28, and God has set some in the church. These are different functions, different offices of the body of Christ. Every individual member, according to the faith given to them, to each individual member in particular, is called in one of these offices. May not be called as an apostle or a prophet, but definitely called in one of these functions or offices of the Spirit. Everyone has a purpose and will of God in their life. And here we are. He names them for us and says God has uh, set some in the church, in the body of Christ, first apostles. Now, they will be servant of all. The ones that were the greatest cause will be the greatest servants. There, and then secondarily, prophets. Those are the two offices he uses to spearhead the body of Christ in the proceeding word of God just as Paul stated in Ephesians 3, that that mystery of Christ, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets, why not pastors, evangelists, teachers? Because that is the offices he uses to spearhead that move, to spearhead that word. And that's a reason why you see in the book of Acts, even though it's all God, it's Christ in the body of Christ that are moving and giving the revelation of Jesus. Yet we see in the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles. Why? Because that office is used for the new thing, bringing in that Pentecostal realm of glory. Acts, the second chapter. And the Acts of the Apostles, as that book is named but it has no amen or the end or so be it on it. Still in operation. Now we've gone into a, a second uh, season of Pentecost, now to the third season of Tabernacles. That is a higher level reign of glory. How does he reveal it 
to the body of Christ, the same way he did before, with apostles. They will be the first primary office, secondarily prophets. And you'll see it in the book of Acts. The, the apostles go out, the prophets confirm, and then the church leaders, amen, and the whole body of Christ sanctioned that word. That's the same that he's doing today. He has not broken the way that he communicates with his body. The Holy Ghost uses uh, his hierarchy, his pattern. That's first apostle, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. That's evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Somebody said, well, I'm not any of those. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist, pastor, or teacher. Well, I stop there. It does he stop and say, well, that's all there is. No. And that body of Christ, after that, there are miracles. You might be one that God has given the working of miracles. Then gifts of healings. You may be one that God has given the gifts of healings. Not just healing, healings. There, someone may have a gift that God has given, and they said, this brother or this sister has a gift of healing for those that have blind eyes, go to them, and they're healed. Sometimes it's specifically for these devils that are cast out and are healed. In our ministry there in 1990, I received several words from different prophets that God gives us the gifts of healings, of deliverance, because his body needed deliverance. There, I pondered these words. In 89, I had just had a visitation from the Lord. Therefore, then walking in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, we simply did what the Holy Ghost led us to do. And there were several that had heart diseases, some that the doctors had given up on in the large hearts. God healed every one of them. We then, as we laid hands on the people, our, ex, our faith exploded because God was doing it all and it caused great joy in the ministry. Well, you may be one that's called for that, not only miracles, maybe gifts of healing. Somebody said, well, that's not me either. Well, how about that says helps? You may be called to help. And there's many helps in the body of Christ. Not only prayerful support, prayer making, being made constantly for the body of Christ and for the ministry to go forth, an open door there, wide and effectual, but many adversaries, prayer going up for the saints of the living God. Not only that, financial helps that go forth. How shall they go except to be sent? You may be called there. Uh, if it's not, then there's also governments. You may be called there as an elder to the church to govern the body of Christ in the local churches. Those, that's a great honor. And those that labor in the word of earth, double honor. There we also see in that governments of God that we have not only the pastors, shepherds to the flock, but they ordain elders in the church. These are governing governments in the local body of Christ. Deacons also. Then there's diversities of tongues. The tongues there, building up 
themselves upon the most holy faith is an individual tongue, but this is a tongue in the body of Christ. What? For edification. Therefore, in the nine spiritual gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, and that uh, tongues and diversities of tongues, that interpretation of tongues is to lift up the body of Christ. You may have a tongue and pray for the interpretation, but you're definitely called in one of these areas. Every individual member in the body of Christ, they are not called to warm a pew. They take an active part by faith that has been dealt to each individual member for the purpose and calling of God. If we do not do that calling, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in us both the will and the do. We must do it if we do not do the will of God. Then we find in Matthew 7, 23, Jesus states, Now thou say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in only those that have done the will of God. And that is according to the call of God and the purpose of God in your individual life. So we want to take the more earnest heed, lest a promise slip any of us, that we should seem to come short of entering into his rest. We must do the will of God in order to have access and entrance into the kingdom of heaven. We find that many will say in that day, they were born again, they had the spirit of God, they had Christ in them, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, but yet didn't do the will of God. Then they will profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. And in thy name, we cast out devils. And in thy name, we prophesy. Jesus said, I never knew you. Why? Because depart from me, you that work iniquity, lawlessness. And because iniquity abounds in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. We're not being led of the spirit of God. We believe we go to church, sit on a pew, give a tithe, and we're faithful. We don't kill anybody. We pay our bills. We try to do good in our community, and we think that's salvation. But the truth is, it's not salvation. Salvation is doing the will of God. So how do we do that? Well, righteousness is what is the catalyst. Grace reigns through righteousness, which is the compelling moving of the Holy Ghost in each individual member's life. And that Holy Ghost leads us and guides us into all truth. It also is, speaks of the office of the Son of God. It doesn't speak of himself, but it speaks of the Son of God because that is where righteousness prevails. In that office, not in the Father, it prevails in the Son of God, which is the Father revealed. So God himself, the Father of glory, that is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, made himself a body of flesh and blood and under the law to redeem us. It was Emmanuel, God with us, God himself. And he glorified his own human back to himself, which is righteousness. And we'll see that that glory comes in the days of Jesus' flesh. It went from glory to glory. And Jesus will pray 
to the Father because he's under the law. Even though he's God Almighty, he's made himself of no reputation and a self-imposed limitation upon himself, not to work as spirit, but to work as a man made in under the law. By doing that, Jesus, because the law is still there, and Jesus will pray to the Father because he's going to glorify his own human back to himself. God working salvation in and of himself alone. There we have righteousness. Jesus states there in John 16, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. And he said, I proceeded from the Father and came into the world. It's not a proceeding son. It's the Father that proceeds into the world. Proceeding from the Father. Comes into the world. That makes himself a body of flesh and blood. Sheds his blood. Death, burial, and resurrection. And then goes back to the Father. Not around him. Not beside him. To him. Glorified for the Father's own self. Therefore, as long as Jesus is in the days of his flesh, and we find that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, in the New Testament, we say it also in the prophets in Isaiah 43, 10, that you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. The Lord Jehovah God Almighty, that invisible spirit of God, and my servant whom I have chosen. Many people think that's another person. And that's where the error has come in. And God uses judgments to reveal who he is. The, revel the revelation of Jesus is simply to reveal his true identity through judgments so that we will not be condemned with the world, but have eternal life through the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is under that law he has made himself of no reputation as spirit to come on under the law, taking on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men, fashioned as a man. God fashioned as a man. Humbled himself to the death, the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Who's the God that exalted him? It's Jesus. John 2, 9, Jesus said, I'm sorry, John, John 2, 19. Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. He's going to raise up his own body. You have to be God to do that. That's exactly right. Well, we see the same in Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. It sounds like a second person there. To the natural mind, it would be. But not to God, to believe God. He said that you may know and believe me and understand, I am he. Oh, it's only one God. The man is God. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See, now that I am God, thy Savior, the Lord, thy Redeemer. Your Savior is God Almighty. Your Redeemer is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Isaiah forty-three fifteen, the Holy One of Israel, not a Holy Trinity. Because we missed that. And that is righteousness. And how is righteousness? He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
How does that work? Well, because God was manifest in the flesh. This mystery of godliness, the God life, how we live the God life, is revealed to us by Paul in 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, the God life. For God was manifest in the flesh. See, it's not transitory. We had nothing to do with it. It was what God did. It was a work that God did of himself. That is righteousness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentile, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Who? God himself. 1 Timothy 3.16. Well, that's righteousness. And that's the reason why with Jesus in the days of his flesh, that law is still there, which will make imperative that Jesus prayed to the Father because he is working salvation in and of himself alone, taking his own body made in under the law to bring us back to his spirit, the Father of glory. He's made himself of no reputation, and that servant has to be chosen. It has to be the perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God, and only then will it be resurrected from the dead. Just as Jesus stated, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up and declare to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, proving he's God. Romans 1, verse 3 and 4. Well, there, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, the man is under the law. The Spirit is still Jesus that's been made of no reputation. That's self-imposed limitation, so he will not work as spirit, but as a man. Because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. He has to be a kinsman redeemer for us. That kinsman redeemer is under the law. By that definition itself, that spirit is enmity against the flesh, and the flesh is enmity against the spirit, and God takes on a body of flesh and blood made in under the law to redeem us that were under the law. We see that in Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? Made of a woman, not spirit senior, saying the spirit junior, go down and die for the sin of the world. How did he send forth his son? God himself, the father of glory, the most high will overshadow a virgin called Mary and bring forth a son and he will be called the son of the highest. Call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. His very name is Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Jesus, Jehovah, is salvation. The Lord Jehovah himself is our salvation. That's the Holy One of Israel, Isaiah 43, verse 15. Because we've left that revelation. Then we have the last book in the Bible, which is God's last attempt the final attempt before his second advent for us to come into the true God and eternal life and the revealing, the revelation of Jesus Christ. If God did not do this work of judgment, very few would be saved at all because we have to mortify the deeds of the flesh in order to do the will of God. And when judgments end the earth, men will learn righteousness 
which righteousness is God himself and the work that he did in and of himself alone for God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That is that ministry of reconciliation and it's given us in Christ's stead that word of reconciliation. That is righteousness. And that's how grace reigns, through that revelation of righteousness. And notice, it is a progressive glorification because Jesus is that spirit. He and the Father are one, same spirit, John 10, 30. He states the same in John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. He states the same thing that then John 14, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, to Philip. But how be it, even though he is that spirit, the same, the man that he has made a body of flesh and blood for himself to dwell amongst us is under the law, and the law still separates his spirit from his body of flesh and blood. There's your key. How does he work righteousness in and of himself alone? Well, you'll find that Jesus does not start his ministry until age 30. Why? Because the law states our high priest does not take his office till age 30. Jesus, fulfilling his own law as a man made in under the law, even though he's God manifest in the flesh, is fulfilling his own law as a man, not as a God-man, as a man, through the Spirit of God, and that he takes his ministry. The Spirit then leads him into the wilderness there to be tempted with Satan. Notice that Jesus said, Father, he has to pray to the Father because that wall of separation that's contrary to us as our kinsman redeemer, one of us, is still there. He has to pray to the Father. That wall hasn't been broken down yet. He hasn't been glorified by the Father's own self. He's came in under the law, emptied out of glory to do that, made himself of no reputation to do that, Philippians 2, 6. But he is glorifying his own human. So he says, Father, glorify thou me. The spirit that Jesus is, even though he's made himself of no reputation, that law is separating his spirit from that flesh. Therefore, he prays to the Father because it has not been yet reconciled mankind back to God in God's own flesh. God's doing it by himself. So he said, Father, glorify me. The Father says, I've glorified you, and I will glorify you again. Progressive. That's righteousness. Going from glory to glory, which is by the Spirit of God. God doing it, glorifying his own human back to himself, not for him, but for us, for mankind, to redeem us that were under the law. There, finally, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Oh, Holy Father, glorify thou me. And he said, not I'll glorify. He says, glorify me with thine own self, John 17, 5. With the glory I had with you before the world was. Before I made myself of no reputation. Before I emptied out of glory to become a man. So I could be seen of my creation. Because no man has seen God at any time and live because he's holy. I want all that glory back. I want to be glorified with your own self. I want all that glory back with all power in heaven and in earth. 
Jesus there dies on the cross. As he does, he takes the ordinances of that law, nails it to his cross, breaks down that wall of partition that parted us from God and his own body of flesh as our kinsman redeemer, thereby making peace and making one new man. That man Christ Jesus, that last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, is now made a quickening spirit, the Christ in us, the Holy Ghost in us, as in Acts 2, 36, that same Jesus whom you crucified, that man, God hath made him both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, the Holy Ghost, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Who is he? Well, he is the Almighty God. We'll see that in 1 Timothy 6.15. Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate. Not a potentate, Junior. Potentate, that's the omnipotent, almighty, capital P, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. That man is God. And there in the days of his flesh, he was one of us. Now, who is that man? He's that spirit. Does he have a body of flesh and blood? Yes, he did for us. That's where we are set at the right hand of God. But where did he go? You'll see in Revelation 3.21, to him that overcometh will I grant to set with me in my throne. But where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, forever settled, always have been God and always will be God, set down with my father, in his throne, not around it, not beside it. The Lord is that spirit. So what is salvation in? We must, every each individual member in the body of Christ must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice in Romans 8 and verse uh, 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Watch this next verse. 13, for if you live after the flesh, you go to a church that says you can keep the world, live in the world, go for money, live in mammon, and you're going to make heaven. That's not what the word of God says. He said, if you live after the flesh, you are conformed to this world and not, not uh, conformed, not to, the, to this world, but be transformed. This transformation into holiness and the divine nature of God through these exceedingly great and precious promises through obedience, whereby we're made protectors of his divine nature and escaping the corruption world through lust. You have to escape that by mortifying the deeds of the flesh. And Paul states that if you live after the flesh, as these ones tells us that God takes you your way, you are, you're not saved through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Don't worry about sanctification. God just loves you the way you are. Live any way you want to, you're saved. But we find here in Romans 8, 13, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. I didn't say it, Paul did. But if you through the spirit, through the leading of the spirit of God, do mortify, kill the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There's no other way. And you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that works in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. You're right back to Romans 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the cross. Mortify the deeds of your flesh. Those that are Christ that crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. That you 
offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Don't stay living in the flesh, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Set your mind on the things above, the affections on the things above, crucifying the things of this world, crucifying your own fleshly desires. Do the will of God. That's what he says. Be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take on the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? Arm yourselves with this mind. 1 Peter 4.1, he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. For as much then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves with that same mind. Be ye therefore likewise minded. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There's no other way. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. Find your place in the body of Christ and do it. By doing that, to be the salvation of your souls. And when you seek God, then Lord, show me your will. Show me what you'd have me to do. Set your mind upon the, the things of God, your affections on the things above, not on things beneath. Then the Lord will lead you. You ask, he'll, he'll answer. Not going to be getting open to you. Seeking, you'll find. If you seek God diligently with all your heart, you will find him. And you will find the will of God for your life and there'll be peace above all understanding. And he'll lead you and guide you into his perfect will, into his purpose. You are in one of those callings of God in the body of Christ. Find your calling. I know mine a long time ago. I did not understand it and come into God until I was 27 years old. Many, many years ago, and I thank God for it. And it's a race that you run. That righteousness is progressive glorification. That is what Jesus did for you. Now we go through those same steps in a progressive glory from glory to glory till we get to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. We run that race and we press toward the mark. There's no other way. Friend, I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you have felt a witness of the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, with your spirit, then please email me. Give me a message from you that you're with us. You'd like to work with us. We would love to work with you. Email me at sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. You'll see the contact information at the end of this podcast. There's spoke R at the end of the video. There, sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. We'll be praying that God perfect that which is lacking in each one of us that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus in both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.